Good Thursday morning to you, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK coming at you. I'm PK setting up this first hour. We're going to have a lovely first hour, and we're going to have a lovely four hours. Thanks for joining us, as always. Have an opportunity to hear from one of the better interviews that we do every week. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. Guy's telling it like it is, as he always does. Here's Dylan Cauley. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. You were jealous, weren't you? You were watching those offenses go up and down the field. Why couldn't I have one more year of eligibility? Everybody. A <laughs> touchdown pass for you, a touchdown pass for you. Everybody gets a touchdown pass. It was a basketball game out there. Yeah, it really was. When you look at this offense... And they had the breakthrough game, obviously, but you know, been fairly consistent this year. Uh, how much do you credit uh, somebody like Aaron Roderick? And I believe you played for him. He wasn't necessarily the coordinator then, but you still know about him and in terms of his impact on this offense. Uh, I think if, if you look at the overall stride that has been made in the last year and a half, two years, where you saw an uptick in the amount of points that BYU was able to put up. You saw uh, a more consistent level of, I guess, just, you know, offensive strength coming from BYU. Um, I, I would give a lot of that credit to, to A-Rod. Um, the guy is he's an unbelievable coordinator. He's extremely brilliant in, in the football sense and um, – you know, was has really just been a game changer for for BYU, and, and even more specifically, he's been a game changer for Kalani. Why is it hard to get some players into their right position? Someone as good as Tyler Algier, uh, how come there's no hype and he's not the running back the day he steps on campus? That's honestly, it's, it's a really, really good question. I think there's a, a mix of pride between coaches and pride between players, right? In, in what you're willing to play and what you're willing to be. I think if you look at what a lot of guys, I mean, you see it mainly in the quarterback position, right? Where guys aren't willing to make that type of change um, and they're not willing to be that type of player. And then, you know, then you look at what development is like, right? Tyler was not the size he was um, and didn't, you know, hadn't really grown into his body his freshman year at BYU when he walked on, right? And so uh, when you look at a few of those different aspects, you kind of start to see, okay, you know, what do these guys play? What position do they play? Where do they best fit? And sometimes it takes a few years to genuinely be able to see exactly uh, where they're the most optimal, and luckily, Tyler grew up and is, is optimal on both sides of the ball, which is a special feature to have. And it's been an incredible success story, and <clears throat> looks like it's going to continue on into the NFL. How about the other side? How many times have you seen guys that were good enough, but for whatever reason, exclude injury because that that can be mm-hmm. something that's beyond your control. But things that you can control as far as basically not having enough heart or determination or whatever you want to phrase it and basically waste their talent. Uh, uh, every, every day, all day, that's probably – you talk to a lot of guys and you are a part of – 
a lot of different programs, you see that more often than not. Um, there's a reason that people are on scholarship or have been given the capability to play at the highest level, uh, but then aren't able to capitalize. And a lot of that is due to their drive, their work ethic, what goes on off the field and their, their amount of focus. Um, because there are a lot of guys out there that are extremely, extremely talented. Probably some of the most talented players I've ever been around uh, that are now not playing football simply because they just didn't didn't add up the uh, amount of success that they could have. Is this right now the reason everyone should embrace the Big 12 and wish it would get here even faster. BYU's having a good season. It's really intriguing. But now it's guaranteed win, bye week, guaranteed win, probable win to finish the year. I, I don't know. I don't, think, I don't think it's, hey, let's get it here today. I think the amount of time left in the independent scheduling system, right, um, leaves a lot of time for more growth and a lot of time for games that may not be played ever again, right? And so to me, I think that's huge. I think that's exciting and fun, and it kind of leaves you that opportunity to, to play those types of games on a regular basis. Um, I think the anticipation is also good, right, to continue to build that and not have it just be a one-step, hey, here we all are. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, because you could be playing Kansas this week and expect to beat them by 35. And to me, I think for basketball, I just assume they get out of the West Coast Conference or play Gonzaga 12 times and Uh get on with it and get to where they're going to play these better teams because I think the program is ready and... I would love to see it start now. i got to go through two seasons of the West Coast Conference that I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to. But at the same time, football-wise, I think it's important in many aspects for the team to the program to prepare itself to where it needs to be. And it has, right. I think, the two-year lead-in gives them plenty of time to get to where they need to be. They could probably be competitive this year, although they weren't all that competitive against Baylor, and Baylor may end up being right. certainly one of the better, if not the best team, we'll find out. But I like the fact that they got a couple years in football because I think there's some work that they need to do to get better. And the fact with the missions and all, basically every kid that you're mm-hmm. recruiting now who goes on a mission is a Big 12 recruit. Right, right. And I think that, that comparison is the best comparison you make just because of the amount of guys that are expected to be on the field, right? With the basketball team, you only have 15 guys that you need to have ready. And right now, you can make that switch in a year. If you look at what Pope has done in the last two years with the basketball team, he's completely flipped the program in terms of talent upside down. So they're ready, exactly like you're saying. Whereas the football cycle is much, much different, and there's a lot more uh, time, right? There's a lot more runway for coaches to build a program in a football environment due to the amount of people, right, the amount of scholarships, the amount of guys, the amount of resources that you need to get aligned, and that all takes, you know, that's why you have guys who get three to four to five years, especially in a group of five, Maybe not in the SEC, but a group of five, they're getting that type of runway to build out. 
Which position group needs the runway the most for BYU? Uh, defensive back. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think the depth of this position is not in a place that is going to achieve, right, the most. <laughs> like, how are they going to be able to keep up athletically with Big 12 receivers and Big 12 skill talent in terms of depth? Right, the first deep, even a couple of the extra guys, but when you know, you need you need three levels of talent to be able to keep up with those uh, with those athletes. Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, and I think they've gotten better at that, uh, but it's still a process. I'm interested to see in how they go as far as recruiting because we know where recruiting is strong for BYU, the state of Utah, Arizona, California, you know, Idaho, Nevada. But uh, where is it going to go once they get in? My thought is that the first thing I do, if uh, maybe Klein's already done it, is put as much emphasis and as much financial resource into Texas as possible. Yep. You think that's the way? Uh, 100%. I, I think if you if you hang out in the panhandle, right, uh, and you make Texas and, and you make Florida a, a key place for recruiting, and the one resource that you're going to need to do that is you're going to need a coach that is experienced in that area. So either bringing on another coach or a few guys that are a part of the Big 12 staffs right now um, that you can say, hey, we're going to put money not necessarily in your, right, it's a college football coach key, but, you know, we're not putting a ton of money into your ability to coach football. We're putting our money into your ability to recruit. Um, and, you know, I think that you, you've got to be able especially in this conference, we're not going to be able to hang out in even just California, right? Like can't hang out in just California. Can't hang out in just Texas and Nevada. You need to make your presence known and go have a huge impact in big 12 territory. Dylan Collins, Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. How big is the gap to upgrade talent off what you saw in the Baylor game? I think I don't think talent is is really it. I think it is. It goes to really size um, and and dominance from the box, right? And I think did do we have our best guys on the field today? No, right? Especially when it comes to that box. No, don't get me wrong. Baylor clearly dominated that game. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, that was that was uh, not what we had all seen the last, you know, first six weeks of the, uh, of the season. I think really it's going to come down to the to the size of the box and the athletic ability there to really be able to answer that talent gap. Uh, for 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 groups like Baylor, right, where you get a lot of farm-fed country boys who are out there and just can physically and naturally dominate the man across from them. 
I want to go back to that assistant coach stuff. I think we had, uh, I don't know if we had him on the show, but Norm, I remember Norm Child saying mm-hmm. basically you just need uh, your coordinators to coach and the other guys recruit. Uh, you've been recruited. You've been coached by assistant coaches, position coaches. Uh, where do you stand on the assistant coach's ability to coach from a technical standpoint as opposed to recruiting? Yeah, I think I think in today's game that my opinion has changed, whereas before I was very heavily set on you need to be a technical head coach along with the ability to recruit. Um, as we see the amount of really, you know, time that's spent on individual trainers, right, the time that's spent on outside resources for individual players, I think the recruiting has now become far more important uh, from the assistants. And, you know, that technical prowess can kind of be solved outside of the locker room or even within, you know, the, the offensive coordinators. My big thing is that if you look at, for instance, uh, I forget the, the coach's name, but Alabama's, I think, running backs coach. Right, Alabama's running backs coach. He's got like four or five guys in his room, but he's making almost you know six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year as an assistant coach, assistant position coach, because he's the number one recruiter in the nation. Right, and so it's obviously a huge priority to have, you know, your recruiting capabilities and have the assistant you know coaching capabilities just kind of be a uh, afterthought. How would your folks react if you or your brother or whoever was in a recruiting situation and the coach you were recruiting was involved in a Halloween monkey biting incident through a significant other? <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we would no longer be recruited by that coach. Um, <laughs> if, if, it was, if it was a position coach especially, uh, you know, I think uh, – if you're getting bit by monkeys on Halloween, uh, it says one thing about you. If you're getting by, bit by your girlfriend's uh, monkey, uh, who was in a previous industry, um, I think you really got things going. So I don't think we'd last long in that conversation. Yeah, and I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, hey, I tried to make it as comfortable as possible. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, well, we'll leave it right there. Dylan, we appreciate the time. We're not going to ask you what's going to happen the next three weeks because I think we all know how it's going to play out. But Thanksgiving weekend in the Coliseum, maybe that'll be interesting. We'll look forward to that. We'll talk to you again, Dylan. Thanks a lot. Yep, talk to you. Bye. That was Dylan Colley. Coming up next, every Wednesday, the offensive coordinator for BYU speaks. We've got to hear from him, Aaron Roderick. Coming up next, stay with us. Aaron Roderick on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody 
brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. Early morning. Thanks for getting up and listening to us. Thanks for listening to Aaron Roderick, BYU offensive coordinator, during his media availability. Here's what he's asked to say. Coach, how satisfying was it to see your offense perform as efficiently as you know it's been capable of doing all season and have it kind of come together like it did last week? Yeah, it was a fun night. Um, we, you know, we started fast and played well most of the night. You know, it was fun to be in a shootout. We've been, it's been a weird year. We've been in so many low possession, uh, you know, grinded out games against, you know, really good defenses and good teams. Um, play just weirdly happened to play a number of teams this year that use a lot of play clock on their offense and just been in some strange games. And I, I felt all year like we were playing better football than maybe our point totals would indicate. And I've had a lot of confidence that if we got in a shootout type of game, we could we could play with anybody. And so that was the first chance we got into one of those. But uh, it was it was fun to fun to play that way. We pre- we prepared all week for that type of game. We thought it might be like that, and and uh, it was good to get the win. How important is it to you? And I know this is the goal every week, but to see that efficiency carry over and be just as efficient this week as you were last week. Yeah, we want to be consistent every week. And, and um, you know, I think we have been a consistent team all year. We're, we're, you know, we have a good record for a reason. We've beaten five P5 teams for a reason. It's just well, what I like about this team is we. I feel, I feel like we can win any type of ball game. And, you know, if, if any style of game against any type of team, whatever uh, situation presents itself, we, we're equipped to handle it. And once again, even in this game, it was a shootout type of game. But – we closed out the game running four or five minutes off the clock. I think it was five minutes uh, off the clock and ending the game in victory. And so after track meet like pace all night, we could still grind out that last drive. And uh, that's the part about this, this group of guys I'm most proud of is they, they'll play any type of game. There's no egos about it. If it's go fast and throw it a lot and run a lot of, you know, fast tempo plays, then they're all in. And if it's, use the whole play clock and run the football and everybody block their butts off, then that's what they'll do too. And it's, it's fun when you coach players like that. Jake and then Jay. Yeah, coach, you've talked about in some previous games, the fact you guys got, I guess, out snapped. You guys didn't get the requisite possessions you were looking for. How nice was it to actually get more snaps than the opponent in that game against Virginia? Well, it was fun. It was fun to have the ball and, and you know, get 83 snaps and, and play a lot. Uh, I don't want those words to be uh, misunderstood, though. I mean, I'm just as happy winning 21-19 at Washington State as I am winning this Virginia game at home. And I, I sincerely mean that. I mean, it's about getting the win as a team. And, and so this game required us to do what we did. And we knew we were playing against a, a very capable offense that could score points and play a fast tempo. And so, you know, we said from the start that no, no lead would be safe. Um, and we knew they'd make a run. It's kind of almost like a basketball game, right? I mean, we knew they are going to make their run, and we got to just keep, stick with it. And um, some other games we've been in were different than that. It was like, hey, this game, possessions are limited, so we got to make sure we're smart and efficient with ours. And, uh, you know, it, it's just it's been a – been different each week but it was fun to have the football a lot 
to play fast, uh, you know, get so many explosive plays. I mean, of course that's fun. I mean, that's what, that's what offensive players and coaches love to do is score touchdowns. I also wanted to ask you, Samson's the only guy on your offense who is going to leave. He's out of eligibility. I know that there are other guys who have to make a decision on what their future is going to be, but does that excite you knowing that the vast majority stands one guy could be back next year if they so desire? Yeah, we have a young team and they're getting a lot of valuable experience um, playing all these, you know, the, the P5 teams we've played this year. Um, and we're, we're growing and getting better every week, I think. And, and it'll be, you know, the future's bright. There's a lot of good players that are going to be back. Um, right now, I'm not super, we're not super focused on that. We just, we want to, we just want to play well this week. You know, when we play Idaho State Saturday and we want to play as well as we can. But um, yeah, it's, it's nice. We're doing it with a lot of young players. And it's been in, in, another interesting thing is now I feel like we've reached a point where this type of schedule is just normal. You know, the, and, and it's a lot of our younger players that they're the ones that don't really know better. I mean, it's like, oh, we played Utah last week. Now we play Arizona State and then we play whoever we play Baylor. Like what? It's just it's normal now to play all those those good, good opponents. And and um, and so that's been kind of fun to watch that process uh, with 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 these guys. <laughs> Hey, Aaron, did getting that number 15 ranking for the CFP give the guys a jolt at all with basically, hey, there's a, there's a chance that, you know, things could break your way and you could end up in a, in a big-time bowl game? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we're trying not to uh, be, you know, overly focused on that. Uh, but you, you have to be honest with, with yourself and with the players. Like, hey, this happened. You know they're going to go in the locker room and talk about it and look at their phones and all that stuff. So it's it's better just to be direct with them and say, hey, that's a cool thing. It's nice to be recognized. Um, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't keep playing well. And so you, you recognize it. You appreciate it. You, you recognize that there's an opportunity there. Um, but – the goal is let's go play well this Saturday and then see where it takes us. It's not, you know, if you just spend all your time uh, looking at that, talking about it, it can become a distraction that might, you know, might cause you to not play well. And so I think we have a mature enough team to handle it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's exciting. It's, it's uh, I'm, I'm a football fan, college, I'm a college football fan, just like everybody else. And, and uh, it's exciting to see, you know, how things come, come down the wire at the end of the season. Are teams uh, bracketing your tight ends just more than normal? Um, you know, I know you're not – you're targeting them a couple times, but it's obvious that teams have to take Isaac Rex away or yeah. they get hurt like they did last year. Is, it, is that happening a lot? It's happening um, more – more than it did last year for sure i mean we especially in the red zone you know we've tried to get the ball to isaac a lot this year in the red zone where he's either uh they're either paying a lot of attention to him um you know there's been some times where maybe our tight ends you know can do a little better getting open or something like that. more than more and more more often than not teams know that uh, especially isaac in particular is somebody we like to use in the passing game and they've made it harder on us this year. In fact, we ran a play in the Virginia game that uh, I think Isaac scored five touchdowns on that play last year. And we have yet to throw a completion on that play this year. And we've tried it in five or six games and it was like a automatic last year. And this year 
uh, people are on it. And, and I, I took a few games off without calling that play thinking early in the year, I thought, okay, uh, everybody, you know, our first five or opponents or so probably watched all of our film from last year and they're onto it. And so we gave it a rest for a few weeks and pulled it back out on Virginia Saturday and they covered the heck out of it. So, uh, you know, I got to do better at finding ways to get the ball to those guys. Um, but yeah, they're getting attention cause they're good players. And, and, um, you know, another part of it though, is that we've got really good wide receivers. And so, you know, make your choice. Like what do you, you know, if we have to stop the run. You got to cover our tight ends, you know, our quarterback can run. And what's, what's been happening a lot lately is our receivers are finding themselves one-on-one outside and, you know, we're starting to show that we can make people pay for that. We'll do last question from Bryce. So Aaron, I just had a quick question for you. Um, how much of a blessing is it to have such like a balanced receiver room with so many people getting different touches and just a very balanced, like stat wise in your receiver room? Is that something you expected going into this season? Yes, it is. And, and the, you would include the tight ends and the running backs in that it's, you know, we're spreading the ball around all over the field and you know, you can't just like, it was awesome last year when Dax had 80 catches that was great. I love it. And I'm, I'm not opposed to anybody having ending the season with 80 catches, but I think we're harder to defend right now than we've ever been because on every given play, we've got, you know, four or five skilled players out there that can really do something with the ball. And we have a, 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 obviously an awesome running back and, and a, a quarterback who can pull the ball and score at any time from anywhere on the field. And so, you know, when you, mix and match the different personnel groups we can put on the field between our three tight ends um, and our top, you know, four, five, six receivers. And then you include Peeney and Tyler in that, you know, that's, that's, I think it makes us harder to defend. And I would rather have a team full of uh, guys who are willing to, you know, uh, do whatever it takes to win than just have one guy that, you know, I need the ball. It's about me. You know, this group has been awesome and, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we're winning is we're hard to stop when everybody on the field is a, is a threat to uh, make a play. That was Aaron Roderick. Coming up next, yeah, the weekly visit from Joe Ingles. Jazz got a game tonight. Certainly do. Let's hear from Joe Ingles. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. Huh! Huh! The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles joined us yesterday, earlier in the show. We're going to replay it right now. Here you go. Hey, yeah! This is The Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. 
This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Joe Ingles joining us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer. Running for the entire month of November, Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Visit smarttrain.net or call 877-346-3333. Joe Ingles joining us. DJ's off, but we've got Riley Jensen. Riley Jensen works with the Jazz folks on mental performance. But, Joe, you are so mentally tough, you don't need anybody's help. Is that correct? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) When you won the the medal there in uh, Tokyo, were they playing, uh, what was it, Men at Work? Was that that the music you guys were singing to? Um, I mean, after we won it between then and getting on the plane, the amount of... uh, songs that were played that I probably wasn't in a state to know who was singing them or what they were, but I remember I remember bits and pieces of it. Um, but yeah, it was a hell of a time. Now that was the uh, Men at Work, I think he's an Australian band. When Joe yeah. Wingles wants to rock out, what does he listen to? Um, I'm actually not much of a music guy, which my team um, isn't uh, usually too happy when they tell me to like pick a song or something on the We've got speakers like in every place you can ever think of in the stadiums um, and on the plane. And um, I'm more of a podcast guy, if anything, um, or just the radio. Not your station, but um, yeah. Any so other you, you're the only one who doesn't listen to us. Um, yeah, I've, it's probably actually about true. It's actually surprising you kept your job for this long, to be honest. Who, you or me? No, you. <laughs> my, my show is the best show that's been in Salt Lake in the last seven years. We are in our eighth year. It's an amazing run, no doubt about it. Are we going to be in the nine and 10 and 11, 12 years? Um, well, I mean, it's funny. That's obviously not up to me. You'd have to ask uh, our um, general manager, Justin Zanuck, and our owner, Ryan Smith, that question. Um I mean, you know how I feel and Renee feels and our family feels about living here, but um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I've obviously haven't been in a contract year for, I don't even know how long, to be honest. <laughs> it's been, yeah. It feels like I've been contracted for seven years straight. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but obviously a lot of that is, is in their hands. That's partly obviously out of my control. All right, our mental performance guy, Riley Jensen, has a mental performance question that's going to penetrate your brain and make you a better player, a better man, a better husband, and a better father. I'm ready. Flair for the dramatic with PK. I I appreciate you letting me ask a question. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the mentality of elite athletes. And so I, I guess mine is a two-part question. Number one is, who is the is the most mentally tough player that you ever played with? And I'm not talking about best basketball player, but most mentally tough. And then the second part of that question is, is how have you evolved mentally over the years from your yeah. maybe your rookie year or maybe clear back to the Australian basketball leagues to now? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the first part of the question is an, an easy one for me. It would be Patty Mills. Um, from the Brooklyn Nets now, um, and obviously a, a long-time teammate of mine with the national team, and um, 
we were actually talking about it not long ago with Jock Landau, who was on our national team as well, who's now with the Spurs. And um, just uh, with Paddy seeing obviously how professional and and how dedicated he is to his craft of obviously basketball and and the health side of it and and the mental side and all that and what the time he puts into it too. But I don't think people ever will really understand what he does off court and the amount of stuff he does off court. Um, Being an Indigenous Australian, um, his mum's Aboriginal, his dad's from the Torres Strait and um, growing up the way he did, he's a single single child. and just, I guess, hearing stories from him and talking about it and now what he's done with all of that, um, what do you call it, kind of promoting his culture, showing his culture to people. Um, the, the things he do is, is, is really unbelievable. And obviously, um, I guess for me, one of the, the kind of the coolest parts was when we won the medal this summer and um, he had so much going on and then... And, on top of that, the the contract year for him and, and trying to figure out where he's going to play and, and when he's all in on something, he's all in. Like, there's no... And he was all in on, on our Boomers team and he, he was telling teams that they had to wait and, and do all this and he was just... Handy. Like, you would just never know what's going on in his life because he just keeps everything so kind of compartmentalised of, with this is the Boomers and I'm fully, fully in here and um, now I'm with the Brooklyn Nets and I'm fully in here but if I've got something to do with my family and my culture and the history and then I'm going to be fully into that and uh, it's pretty cool to see um, and obviously being a close friend of it it's something that you, you kind of get, go proud of someone that you, you've known since 14, 15 years old and to see kind of who he is today so that's a, an easy one for me and um, myself I think I mean the mental side of it I, I when I first started playing professionally, I used to kick the ball into the stands about three times a practice because I would lose my mind. And um, I think just being with, with different coaches, different players, learning from different coaches and different players. And um, obviously at the point I'm at now, I'm, I'm very settled with my off-court life. Um, obviously Renee and the kids are, are, are number one and um, I've always said it and Renee's probably... The, the best one to, to kind of keep me in perspective of as long as as long as Renee's okay as long as the kids are right, I can go out there and, and play basketball and, and again obviously with basketball it's the almost kind of like the second part of my life because my, my family is number one and, and when I know they're okay and they're in a good spot and um, which is where we are right now which is funny you asked about the contract because obviously I would just love to stay here because the, the kids are in school and they're so happy and Miller's got a group of friends and Jacob over the last couple of years, his his development's just been unbelievable, and, and Renee's really settled with with a good group of friends and friends outside of basketball, and and doing some stuff in the community with the the Millers and stuff like that, and, and donations, and um, so I, the the mental side of it is is very easy for me when I know my my family's good, and at the end of the day, I I get to play basketball for way too much money and live in a great <laughs> great place to, to play and with great fans and so the basketball side of them for me is is the easy part because it's the enjoyable part it's what I grew up doing I've done it since I was five years old I never thought I would be in the position I'm in today um, so it's very easy for me to, to as long as I get a text from Renee saying the kids are good I can go out on the court and, and, and play free and, and, and enjoy it and, and, and kind of separate those two things so 
not not hasn't come without ups and downs and, and frustrating times and, and being cut by the Clippers and not thinking I was going to have a job and, and all that. But um, at the end of the day, I, I would have to probably give all the credit to, to Renee and the kids because they're the ones that kind of keep me keep me going in the right direction. It's, Sorry for the two really long answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's clear, Joe, that the Australians who are in the NBA are a tight group. I remember you told us yeah. a few years back, all you guys, or most of you guys anyway, went uh, down to San Diego during the All-Star break. And so one of the guys right now appears to be struggling, and that's Ben Simmons. Has there been any contact among the Australians reaching out to him? Uh, yeah, I've spoken to him a couple times just through through messages. Um I'm sure other guys have too. Um, how, it's funny you said that. Our Boomers group chat from the um, the Olympics just popped up yesterday. With some, obviously, he wasn't in that because it's just the 12 in the team. Um, but we we stay try and stay as connected as we can. And obviously, for for Ben in his situation, um, he's trying to figure out kind of what he wants to do. And obviously, the team plays a part in that too because they have they kind of I guess have to say at the end of the day. Well, who they want to trade him for or if they can figure it out and he stays but um, obviously the, I think the latest thing was the, the mental side of it for him and right. um, for him I think and, and, and every athlete if, if you're not right in that space you, you need to figure it out and you need to get some help and um, make sure you are doing okay um, obviously everyone goes through different things at different times um, obviously we've had our fair share of stuff with, with Jacob's diagnosis and stuff like that and um, yeah, just having having the right people around you, having the right people that you can talk to. Um, Renee's probably listening and laughing because I literally don't talk to anyone. <laughs> I, keep, I keep everything to myself except to Renee, obviously. But um, even with that, I, I'm still pretty pretty quiet on that front. So uh, I think for Ben, it's about finding the, the people he can trust and, and open up to and, and figure out what's going on and, and what he wants to do with his, his career. Does he does he want to stay there? Does he want to go... Um, does he need the break that that obviously he, he's having at the moment? So obviously, for as a as a human being first, you, you wish him all the best, and, and hopefully that, that from his side and his the people around him they could, they can figure it out. And um, at the end of the day, you want the, the kid to. Be, I mean, he's still he's still a kid. He's um, he's a young dude, and you, you want him to be happy. You want him to be enjoying it because, like I said before, it's we're very lucky to to have the job that we have. For sure. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, Joe, as I've watched jazz basketball, is that you don't go and challenge shots very often. You're not considered a <laughs> shot blocker. So why would Rudy Gobert think that he's a point guard? Uh, who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? Sometimes you have these, like, I don't know, flashbacks maybe. Maybe he was a point guard when he's. I think he was a bit of a bit more of a guard when he was younger, but... Um, yeah, that was silly, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, the amount of good he does for us, um, obviously on the defensive end, and, and he's been extremely, obviously, really good this year offensively as well. But, um, yeah, we'll give him a little bit of leeway. But 
I doubt he's probably still asleep now, but if he is listening, <laughs> next time uh, just kick it up to Donovan or a bike or someone. Or, or literally anyone else. <laughs> literally, yeah. <laughs> anyone but <Hassan. laughs> And those two won't be on the court together at the same time. So, so it doesn't matter. We're good there. Uh, so you got this road trip coming up now, and you're starting to get in the flow of the season. You're a team that uh, I could argue from your rotation 1 to 10, especially when Gay gets back, is maybe the deepest rotation in the franchise history since it's moved to Salt Lake. And I know they went to the finals and they were they were sort of top-heavy there. Uh, but how do you go through the monotonous portion of the yeah. regular season knowing that how you're going to be judged is in May and June? I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a cliche answer, but it's the process of like, figuring things out and getting better and, and obviously like figuring out what we want to do, how we want to play offensively, how we want to play defensively. Um, obviously, we're going to see different coverages throughout the year and making sure that we execute against the coverages. Um, the one that sticks out to me still is there's been a couple games at the end of Sacramento the first time, which obviously I didn't play, but watching in the back and it was the first time, obviously, I think it was the second or third game, but the the first time that someone had started switching against us and um, for us it's obviously been a, a something we've sometimes been good at but more been bad at um, and obviously we, we know that's what teams are going to do um, whether it be the Clippers in the playoffs in that series or whatever. The regular season is obviously a little bit different because teams usually play a bit more traditionally and then in the playoffs they kind of tinker their lineups to how they really think obviously they can win and um, the thing with us is obviously been going small and, and dragging Rudy away from the rim and, and not letting him or, or trying to stop him protect the rim. So, um, but I think I think they played Harrison Barnes at the five in that game and, and we did really well and they scored two points in the last three or four minutes. So for us, as like you said, the regular there's going to be good games and bad games and we're going to obviously lose more games. We're not going to not lose the rest of the year and, and the process of getting better and figuring things out and, and obviously watching film and not just defensively, but offensively, how we want to play when guys are aggressive, when they're not, whose turn it is, is there a mismatch we can figure out? <laughs> um, just just figuring all those things out. And, and obviously we've got 82 games to do that. So being diligent with it, watching film, getting better individually. And, and then obviously when we have the time, uh, like, we realize the team's switching, like, let's kill it and, and dominate that three or four minutes and make them have to get out of it and do something else. So um, as kind of monotonous, as you said, as the season can be, um, you almost have, like, games within the game of, of things we have to focus on and do. And um, so far, we've done a, a good job of it. I think we've had... Um, obviously, we, we haven't been perfect for seven games, whatever it's been. Yeah. Um but obviously more good than bad. And at the end of the day, we were able to win the games as well. So uh, we've got a, a tough trip coming up, obviously, with these three games and, and Atlanta, obviously, what they did last year and continuing that on. And Miami are right up there again, um, as they usually are. And, and Orlando is, is playing, obviously, very young, but Jamal Mosley's got them playing extremely hard. Some clips popped up the other day on the TV. So, um, yeah, good trip for us. And um, obviously, hopefully we come back with three wins. But at the end of the day, we, we need to come back better than when, when we leave today. 
So right now, Jordan Clarkson can't throw it in the Great Barrier Reef, but he is one different dude. So of all the people you've played with, it would probably affect him the least, I would think. Is that accurate? Yeah, JC's kind of JC on and off the court, regardless of the, um, the basketball side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, no doubt it's frustrating, um, especially because of a lot of the shots are shots he's made in the past or, or made basically all of them last year. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can, you could, there's obviously a number of things you could throw up as excuses. He, he would never do that. Um, we were actually talking yesterday. Donovan was saying, it was like reading something about guys were complaining about the ball and, Oh yeah. I saw um, that. Yeah. Paul George. Yeah. And the, the, um, I mean, we've played, this is what the third season in, two years kind of thing like it is there's been a lot of basketball played um, there's, there's a number of things obviously at the end of the, I mean JC's the sixth man too like people are going to defend him differently than what they have in the past because of what he's been able to achieve over the last 18 months um, and he'll, he'll figure it out well, we can do a better job as well as a team of making it easier for him getting him some easier looks getting him some, some layups getting him in the paint um, but like you said I mean it, it's not something that um he would be too worried about it. More the worry of, of wanting to help the team than individually worrying about his, his stats or percentages or anything like that. He had that just unbelievably, unbelievably funny moment when the news reporter asked him, are you going to be at Vivint this year? And he says, yeah, a lot. When you first saw that, what did you think? Um, I mean, it's funny because it's like, if it was me, it wouldn't surprise me that she didn't know. Or someone else, I don't know, whoever else you could think of, but oh, probably probably Boyan, probably just me and Boyan. <laughs> um, but I mean, JC's like, JC, like, I don't know how you, I don't think anyone, like, even non-basketball community people know JC. Um, and he's got a new, very identifying, what do you call it, identifying face tattoo. Like, <laughs> it's not like he's this, like, average-looking dude that doesn't look like a basketball like he he is a basketball that's what he um so yeah it, it was hilarious we, we still laugh about it now but um be, yeah would have been very more surprising if it was if it was me <laughs> it was a, what a deadpan answer man i mean just yeah i mean lot. and that's just jc like he's gonna play like he's not gonna go stand up there and be like you don't know who i am i'm jordan Clark, sixth man of the year <laughs> Like, there's no way he would do that. Uh, no. Before you get out of here, tell us what you got going November 12th, because I know you got an activity, you and Renee. I don't think it's Renee and the kids. I just think it's you and Renee. But can you tell it's us Renee. about it? Yeah. Um, Culture City, obviously the border on with dealing with a, a lot of sensory processing and, and autistic kids and all families, really. Um uh, coming to Utah, a bunch of them are coming. Um, so we're holding a luncheon November 12th. Um, we're at a pretty good number of people, but we can always fit more people in. There's a couple of different rooms we're looking at or that we've got available. So um, I can post it again. I, I can retweet my tweet that I that I did. There's still some tickets. Um, there's some giveaways, some pretty cool things, and um, obviously some really, really good people to, to speak to. So if you are involved in kind of the autism or sensory processing world or it's a family member or a child or um, whatever the situation is, obviously it's more kind of lean towards that type of world. 
Um, but obviously, we'll, we'll take anyone that wants to come and, and donate and help. And um, awareness, obviously, awareness is the, the main thing. So, um, yeah, November 12, it's at the Grand America. Um, some pretty cool people coming. Some uh, One of the, I don't even know what you call it, the host. The host is actually a really cool dude that everyone will enjoy hearing from. Um, so it'll be a really cool event. But yeah, November 12, and, and I'll post the link today. And there's, like I said, there's still some tickets available. So um, make sure Quinn has practice off that day. Otherwise, <laughs> I'll be a little bit late. But um, yeah, really looking forward to it. All right, Joe, we'll go get three on the trip and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was Joe Ingles. All right, man. He's telling it like it is. Really appreciate him coming on eight years every week during the season. He is so reliable. Appreciate Joe. Very much beloved in the community. Jazz off to a 6-1 and one start. Got a game tonight. We'll see what happens. All right, coming up next, we are going to talk about what's trending, what's going on in the world of sports. Get you all caught up and get my uh, thoughts on that. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280, The Zone.